Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Divine Rhyme. It's Will Hogsett here. Joined, as always, by Dylan Hughes. Now, Dylan, the last time we left off, we were thinking we might head into Sturgill, the ballad of Dude and Juanito released last week. Uh, Definitely got to cover some Sturgill, but we had a conversation. We had a conversation, and uh, I think we should disclose it later. But first off, Hughes, how you doing? How's this week been? What have you been listening to? It's been a good week, man. Uh, It's been hitting, hitting shuffle. It's, it's just kind of, we're transitioning to that new season of the year, you know, the, the run the dog days of summer and a lot of the, a lot of the summer vibes are slowly dissipating. Yeah. So I kind of just been hitting the shuffle, seeing what grabs me so far. Nothing really has held on to me yet. Yeah, no, me, me as well. He is speaking of summer vibes. I had a summer vibes playlist and I was at, in the gym this week and I was like, man, I heard a new song. I'm like, got to add that. But I can't add that to summer vibes. It's getting cold. I walked out this morning and I'm like, man, it's kind of chilly outside. I had to turn on my heat in my car. I'm like, that's not that's not something I like to see. So I don't know. I've been on shuffle. Uh, I, I don't know what I want to do. I, I like making playlists a lot. I don't know if I'm going to make a, a new playlist for like this fall slash colder weather season. Maybe chilly weather. Chilly weather playlist might be a good good title for it. Um, but so we thought we were going to hit Sturgill, but instead coming off circles, I talked to Hughes and Hughes is just like, you know what? I I can't stop listening to Mac. And I, I kind of felt the same vibe because uh, I just found myself kept going back to him a little bit. And so Hughes comes up with this idea of doing another Mac pod, which I was 100% down for and uh, looking forward to discussing uh, more Mac because Mac is, as, as we found in this podcast, one of the most interesting artists, I think that we've done so far, at least. And the mo- one, one of the guys that you could definitely dive in the most. And so Hughes, what, what is your idea of this pod? What, what would a title of this pod be uh, for you? I don't, I, I feel like, like Mac Miller afterthoughts or something like that, because I went for a run I think it was earlier this week or last weekend or something. And I, I was like, you know what? I, I kind of want to throw Mac on, like, like I said, I, I nothing's really grabbing onto me and I know I love Mac. Let me go ahead and see uh, what's up. And I, I have basically all of the Mac songs on my playlist are right next to each other. And I, I threw on some of the earlier ones, you know, the, the watching movies, good AM type stuff. And there's like a five song mix I had that just, man, like it just grabbed me. And like, I was hearing stuff that I didn't really hear the first time around. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I really just don't think I'm done talking about Mac. And, you know, outside of this pod, like I'm going to write about Mac. Like I've already mm-hmm. decided that because there's just some stuff as we've talked about the past few pods, especially there's just some stuff in the music that, that is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked last week about the, the storytelling aspect of his career and kind of the story of his career in general, where 
the way it ended was just such it's like it was written it's like mm-hmm. he wrote the end of his own story and i just personally feel like that story needs to act written you know because it, it it's just from from someone that likes to read and someone that likes stories and someone that likes to write like his story is amazing to me and it's like tragic but it's also kind of beautiful and going back and listening to the music over and over you just it's impossible to not like think about that story constantly and and the stuff that he put inside the music yeah i and and coming from our perspective hughes of listening to the later mac first right and i think that's i think that's really an important uh element to add to why we're going back to uh, another mac pod kind of just like a review or, or the downfall uh, of Mac Miller, kind of where it started, because we were super familiar with the Mac music, uh, the late Mac music, whether it be Swimming, uh, Divine Feminine for me, maybe not so much as you, and then obviously Circles for both of us. Uh, and so we came into this pod not knowing much, as we mentioned, about the earlier years of Mac Miller. And when you take a when you take a dive into the earlier years not knowing much beforehand, you get a new perspective, a new perspective that is compounded by the fact that we also dove into the stuff that we already knew a little bit, right? And so once you kind of go back and go through circles and go through swimming and having this little taste, right? Because that's the thing. We We only really do it for a week. We only really kind of go at these albums for a week. And so when when we come back to circles or when we come back to swimming and we hear another, and we hear like this, this story, this end of the story, once again, then it, it brings to light things that we might not have picked up in the first listen through, whether it be kids, whether it be best day ever watching movies, good AM, some of the earlier stuff. And so then as Dylan mentioned, when you kind of go back into it, you're like, man, okay, I, I have a new perspective on this. And that's why, like, honestly, Hughes, the more that we listen to Mac, the more that we listen to any artist, you know, give it a year, we could do Schoolboy Q again, you know, because we'll find new new thoughts on them. And so, uh, but what, my, my next question to you would be, what, what, is, what are the new uh, themes that you discovered from the albums and what albums specifically are you, are you talking about? Well, the three albums I wanted to focus on, or the three projects, were watching movies, Good AM, and Faces. Those were three albums that we, I believe, were all in the same pod, actually. Mm-hmm. And we, that was the pod where we had four albums. We had Macadelic, too. Yeah. And there was so much to discuss. It was impossible, I think, to focus on individual little lines and themes because we were trying to pack so much content into that pod. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we did a great job with it, but (laughs) we still skipped over some stuff, I think, because at least me personally, me personally, I, I do the best job I can to really listen to the lyrics and read through them and find everything I want to find. But sometimes I'm just trying to get to the next song because when you've got 40 or 50 songs to listen to for a week, it's just hard to really focus in like we can with swimming or circles when it's basically just focused on a a handful of songs that we kind of already understand what they're about already. Mm -hmm. These were songs that we have basically never heard before. 
And we didn't have an idea coming in what they were. And we've talked about this before, but it kind of takes like three or four listens, I think, for you to really get what a song is. Mm -hmm. And some of the time when we do this pod, we are maybe listening to it. We may get to three or four listens, but at least me personally, sometimes it's like in my car when I'm kind of just zoning out. So Mm -hmm. I'm not really grasping everything. I may only have one really good listen to to see what is in the music. Mm-hmm. And the more I go back to those three projects, the more I'm finding these little these little this trail of crumbs basically mm-hmm. to what he's talking about. And we discussed with Swimming in Circles how good of a songwriter he became and the whole show don't tell um, of his writing where he was never specifically telling you what he talked about. And that was what made him so such a good uh, songwriter. And what made the music so interesting to listen to, because you could look at it from three or four different angles and it makes sense. And looking back, I I don't think that that was something that he just developed later in in his career. I actually think he has had that ability for years before the later albums and I definitely think he got better with it, but those three projects specifically that I mentioned, there was, it was similar themes, but stuff that we didn't talk about as much, I think were, we talked about him finding meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. That was something that we talked about. But one thing I noticed that I picked out probably 10 songs throughout those three projects that really stood out to me and kind of all of them had this sprinkle of of him trying to find truth. And I think finding truth and finding meaning can be the same thing, but I also think that it can be different. And Mac, he, he would specifically say sometimes, like, he wants to find the truth. But there's other times where he would kind of, you know, dabble around it. And he wouldn't necessarily specifically say this is what he wants to find. But you could kind of see that that's what he was getting at. Yeah. And it kind of mixed in with the whole drowning in his dreams, which we talked about a lot, which led to swimming, obviously. The idea of him just trying to swim because he's basically constantly drowning in this dream. And and what the dream really is, is sometimes the dream could be his music and becoming famous. But I think once he actually got the fame, he realized that the dream was more of what he wanted out of life, which actually wasn't the fame. Mm -hmm. And he, I I think he just viewed the world as an abstract thing. Yeah. I think that that's my ultimate conclusion about his music is that he viewed, he almost viewed the world like he wasn't even a part of it. Yeah. And that would, you know, that's again, that's something we touched on, I think a little bit, but I don't think we really went deep enough into the lyrics and, and had a, a good discussion about what did he say to point us to that. And those three albums, I think if you really kind of turn your ear ears up a little bit, you can hear like he really just did not feel like he belonged almost, even though he was having such great success and the material you know gains that he got showed that he was a part of this world. But he never really felt like that. And I think that was one thing I really grabbed when I went back and listened again. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of going to piggyback off that, Hughes. Uh, a song that 
stood out to me, Avian, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Uh, the line that kind of stood out to me was there's a bird in the sky, look at him fly. And then why, why, and then why, and why, why? And so uh, the first thing, that's pretty much the basis of No Pressure, Finding Happiness in a Fear-Driven World, written by Dylan Hughes, asking that question. At some point, we all do. At some point, we all do, as Dylan mentions. And so I, I, I think that there's two different ways that that pathway can lead you. Uh, if you ask yourself, if you ask why, it's uh, I kind of, I guess, a love-based version of everything is connected, right? Everything is together. Everything's, you know, meant to happen. It is what it's supposed to. It is what it is, kind of. Uh, and then the uh, the opposite way, which I kind of feel that Mac went right, where everything he's separate from everything. Why? Wh what am I when you ask this? And so, what pathways do you think that question can lead us to? And how do we ensure that the pathways lead to something positive and not self destructive? Yeah, that that is a really good question. And this, that's actually one I thought about last night. And God is this this is I think my next step personally is really I'm just becoming so fascinated with human behavior and like why we do things. And I think obviously the first step is the ego, which we talk a lot about. But we get so tied up in, in the ego and our thoughts. And that that is where the destruction comes from. And again, as a human, it's so easy to just look at other people and be like, Hey, like if I can do this, you can do this, like stop, you know, worrying so much. And that's something I've definitely uh, done in the past where I figure something out and I want to look at someone else that's struggling and be like, just, just do it. You know, like it's, it's not really as easy as, as it seems. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing I was thinking about last night, listening to these songs was, I was just saying in my head, like, just stop, stop thinking of the right. world this way. Stop, stop worrying so much about why and how and all this stuff. Just, just live, you know, that's, and that's kind of what the point of my book was too, was to push people in this direction that all of this exterior stuff, the thoughts of yourself, the thoughts of others is never going to help you for the most part. Like you just have to go, you just have to move forward all the time. And I think that was definitely one of Mac's downfalls is that he was constantly stuck in his head. And he talked about that a lot. Yeah. Uh, he started off circles, I believe, with a line like that. Um, so it, it was something that was very evident that he he could really never move forward. And that was one thing. Another uh, theme I saw was that he learned but never changed, I think was yes. one thing I saw. Yeah, because. He was talking about the stuff in 2014 that he was still talking about in 2018. Yeah. You know, like he, he learned this stuff long ago, but he never changed. In the one song where you can see that perfect circle Godspeed on Good AM, where the second half Godspeed, he talks about that. He's like, I know the drugs are probably going to kill me. Uh, I have to change. You know, my mistakes don't make me. Uh, I, I need to move forward. Mm -hmm. And that's a song that's, there's a lot of songs like that where he, he sees it, he says it, but he doesn't do anything about it. I think he wanted to do something about it, but he never did. And for years we saw the music continue to say this. I know I have a problem. Faces was a lot of that too. 
I know I have a problem. I have to change this, but I just, I can't. And he got to the point of swimming in circles where it was just kind of that acceptance phase where he's like, what I'm seeking is not going to come to me. I have to just kind of accept and embrace that other side. Yeah. And I think that was, that was his final frontier was that he just could not move on from the abstract idea of life. What, whatever. And this is another problem with human uh, behavior and expectation is, is expectation. Mm-hmm. We, he expected the world, the world to be something else clearly because he never got what he wanted instead of just living in the world that was, that he was a part of that came at him. He kept kind of envisioning something else. Yeah. And when he never got that, he kept going back to the drugs to find it. And you want to talk about an abstract world. That's what you get when you're on drugs. So that, that was, that was kind of the world that he lived in and he chose to live in. Um, And it's sad, but like, that's, he's not even close to the only one that deals with that. Uh, Living in the past, Hughes, uh, and living in the future. When, when I, when I think of that, in comparison to Mac Miller living in the past for Mac was his addiction to drugs. Uh, that's how he's kind of always been. Uh, that's how he knows. That's how he could get into the world that he wants. Uh, living in the future for Mac, for me, is him trying to create his reality, his sober reality into the abstract world that is the drugs. And so he keeps going back and forth to wanting to live in this perfect world to, and, you know, his vices, his vices have always controlled him in the past. And so that's something that Eckhart Tolle talks about in the power of now. And so that kind of goes along with uh, living in your head, living living in your head the whole time, whether it be issues, regrets, uh, lessons from the past that you just keep replaying over and over and over, or dreams about the future. And in the power of now, what Toll kind of talks about is is living now, live in the current reality, look into the reality, look where you are right now, and just live in it the issues that come up from the past will come up and you need to learn from them then, you know, like what he mentions is that the, the lessons will come up, your ego, your mind will take over when it's needed. The, the only way you could ever change though, is not by looking forward or looking back by addressing it in the now. And it my take on my take on that in comparison to Mac Hughes is that he kind of got overwhelmed uh, by his mind uh, and by those lessons and kind of focus on the lessons and not necessarily what he could do to change them. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's exactly what it was. And again, it was the, he, he learned the lessons and he was able to tell us or show us what they were. And he was able to describe how they impacted him, mm-hmm. but he was never able to move forward. And yeah. I mean, that's, that's a perfect example. And that's why, like, I'm so passionate about talking about the ego so much because it literally rules all of us. And most people don't even know what it does. And me and you over the past year, especially have been able to really finally grasp that, what that means and and have been able to use it to our favor. I think Mm -hmm. when you understand what the ego's role actually is, 
and that it, it really is separate from who you are. You're able to just look at the world a lot differently and look at yourself a lot differently. And what we hold on to in the past goes away mm-hmm. because the past is the past. And your ego is always going to favor the past because you survived it. That's all the ego wants to do is survive. You're always going to favor that because even though it may not have been exactly what you wanted, you survived it. And then it looks at the future because, oh, what, what could be? You know, the, the clouds finally depart, sunshine comes through, and we're all happy. But to get to that future, you have to take action. And you have to get out of the ego. You have to separate yourself from the ego and realize that it is not helping you. And that was, again, something that Mac, I think, was – he was – I don't know if he was close to getting there, but he was on his way. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the, you know, the earthly offerings of the devil that he always talked about um, battling the devil, you know, which the devil, I could do another whole podcast on what that really means for us. But yeah, um, I've had a I've kind of had a different realization lately about what the devil may actually be. Um, But, you know, he talked about the devil a lot and he just was never able to get a handle on it and how it impacted him. So my question, Hughes, would be what how does the divine feminine fit into this and Mac's relationship as well with reality? Because obviously, I mean, Euphoria, right? Euphoria is this song all about wanting to be with a girl. Was that necessarily his his reality that he wanted? And did, did drugs kind of play like the devil? to that right where if he didn't have that he'd fall back to drugs and so I, I guess my question is he he had this he had this little time frame of the reality he wanted and he lost it so what what was that his ultimate reality then you know being with being with that girl or what would do you think he was destined for more i think he was destined for more I think that drugs probably impacted the relationship. I mean, it seems like that was definitely the reason they broke up. And I think that is actually that situation is a good example of why the future never really comes unless you change things. Because if, if Ariana was the future, if this was what was going to save him, yeah, then why was he still using drugs? Yeah. What, what, what is the point of living in this alternate reality, this abstract world, if you have what you want. Yeah. And that's in again another that's another ego thing that that Eckhart Tolle talks about where he he says you're net you never stop wanting. Mm-hmm. You never stop wanting. If you if you work towards having that great job, you're gonna want a promotion after that then. Or you're gonna want more money. If you find that great girl, that's not gonna solve all your problems. You're gonna find something else that you want too. And I think that is a perfect example of Mac that he could say in the divine feminine and euphoria that this was his future. Like if he could find that divine feminine on earth, he would be good. But his, his actions really don't say that that is true. I I don't, I'm not sure he would ever truly get out of his head. Even if he had what he thought was that great stable life that he wanted I still have a feeling that he probably would not be able to shake the drugs because he had, he had her, right. He had her. And I don't, obviously we don't know everything about the relationship, but 
I don't think she would have left him if he wasn't on drugs like that. It, it seems like that was purely the reason. Mm-hmm. So if he had her, why was he still on drugs? It's almost like that the divine feminine part of his career was a lesson that no, this love with this earthly woman is not, is not what, what you need. You need yourself. You know, that that's kind of what I took from it. And going back into the power of now, it's, it's just interesting how the power of now uh, kind of relates to everything. You know, when, when you make these judgments on, I, I want, right. Or I, I need it's, it's, it's a judgment. It's in, in the ego. All the ego does is judge. And now the power, the, the power of now is the fact that it's timeless. And so you don't think ahead. You don't think behind. You are entranced. And I'm not I'm not going to act like I'm not going to act like I've been there. I mean, we as as Dylan, Dylan Hughes mentioned, we we understand it to an extent. But that, that doesn't mean that my I've gotten to the point where I'm living in this timeless state. Right. Which is which is the present. And I guess where I'm going with this is that you don't make a judgment. You're just there. That That's what the power of now is. It's not bad. This The current state is not bad. It's not even good. It just, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that is a hundred percent. It's, it's judgment. Judgment is everything. And another thing I think is important to note as, Again, we're, we're familiar with the ego. We understand what it is. Something I've seen from people that are also understand what the ego is, is that they think they're all of a sudden above, above it. Yeah. They think they're above being humans. They think they're above the ego. And you never are. You never yeah. are. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to learn. And I think it mostly helps with empathy. Like mm-hmm. I have a lot of empathy for Mac. I'm not going to sit here and judge him because he never was able to find that. Cause that would make me a terrible person. Right. Yeah. Just because I understand what the ego means and does doesn't give me the ability or the credibility to tell other people that they're stupid for not doing the same thing. You know, I, and it's sad. You see a lot of this and that's ego. You know, you, you all of a sudden think that you're on this higher plane because of the ego and it's, you know, it's, it's sad again to see other people fall to the ego like this. Um, but you know, that's, that's life. And another thing that Mac, like, I don't want to, I don't feel as sad about Mac and really, I don't feel so sad about everyone. Like it sounds terrible. And I think I've said this on the pod before, that I just, I don't look at death the same way I used to because I am a firm believer in reincarnation. So you leaving this earth today means you're coming back tomorrow. That That's what I believe. So Mac is probably out there somewhere in a different life form right now, you know, and those lessons that he learns from this situation is going to help him in this new life. So I don't look back on on Max, you know, whole life really as some tragic story. It is tragic from a human standpoint, mm-hmm. but from more of a spiritual standpoint, it's like, that's the circle of life. I mean, like he talks about circles, you know, like that's, this is what life is. It's life and death. And the lessons that he garnered from this life, I think he 
may have already carried into the next one. I mean, it's been three years since he passed away. Like, he he could be here somewhere, and he could be building into something else that's even more impactful for the world. So, you know, it's it's just uh, – it is what it is. I mean, to piggyback <laughs> off what you said, you know, like – uh, I can't judge something as good or bad because everything has a purpose. Everything has a meaning. And sometimes death is a very important part of the overall meaning of life. Well, keeping, keeping the theme in death, uh, Hughes, death, what, what do you think that Mac about Mac kind of, as you mentioned, writing uh, for multiple years over, you know, being afraid of falling falling victim to death not being able to overcome his um his demons that were obviously leading him to to the bad place the other side as he mentions in circles and swimming so how much of an impact does the burden of death have on mac you know because he doesn't want to die and so you know, there's this quote, I, I don't know where from, but it's like death and life are having a conversation. And it's like, why death or life asks, essentially the, the bottom line is, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like, you can't fear death your whole life because if you do that, you, you'll you miss out on, on living. And that's kind of coming back another circle here we go to living in the present and so how much of an impact did death have on max career do you think and do you think it stopped him from you know living the way he he was meant to live yeah it that was another thing i realized back uh, uh specifically the star room that was a song that i had on the playlist that really stuck out to me and somehow I never caught my attention that, hey, maybe the star room is like a heaven reference. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how I didn't grasp that the first time. But if you really go back and listen to the star room, I think it was kind of like uh, conversations part one from swimming. Yeah. Where we talked about this conversations was a conversation between himself. And he was kind of like, you know, don't don't waste your life doing drugs was essentially what it was. And the star room was a similar thing where it was kind of like a back and forth between himself where he's trying to figure out like, or he's trying to tell himself like he's, he, he almost separates himself into two people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's the sober Mac versus the high Mac or what it is, but he, he, he does this and he's done on other songs too, where he'll have a conversation with himself. Like, Hey, don't waste your life on drugs. And that's, I think, when he's on drugs is potentially where he's hiding from death almost. Yes. And when, when he's high, like, as we talked about with self-care uh, oblivion, the second part where he's, he's in oblivion here. And I think that's, that's where he goes to escape his kind of fears because when he's high, he doesn't care. Like he's, He's avoiding all those truths of life that he's trying to confront when he's, you know, up, up in the sky, wherever flying around. And when he comes down, that's where he starts the questions, you know, what is this all about? Why? And again, I think, I think the questioning, it kind of ties into the fears of death because we're trying to figure everything out. And what, what do the questions do for us? What do they actually do? And this is something that me and you have talked about for a long time now, 
where we let we we love to analyze stuff, right? This is why we do this podcast. We like to think about things. I I like to sit here, read lyrics, and think what what is he trying to say? I, I love to question things. That's kind of who I am. And at the same time, if I sat around here every day questioning what am I supposed to do here, why am I here, I would get nothing done. Nothing. Yes. I would do nothing because I would be so wrapped up in those in those questions. And the questions really never lead us anywhere. I think it's good to have um, I think the one question that you maybe need to answer is why, like, why, why am I here? Mm-hmm. And get yourself on that path. And once you start getting on the path of maybe finding your meaning or whatever, forget about it. Because yes, if you just, if you focus so much on why all the time, like who is God? Like, I can't even tell you how many times my, my, brain computer has started overheating because I try to think about God and space and all that. We, we're not capable of figuring that out. Like our mission here is to be here that I think that's the main thing is that we are supposed to be here and we're supposed to live life and we all do different things on earth. We all have different meanings, but sitting here and constantly questioning everything is not going to help us. And as we've seen with Mac for, I don't know, six years, I guess, five, six years, he was constantly questioning everything. And the only way he was able to get away from that was drugs. And I think that's why at the end he was so comfortable with death because he was like, if, if the only way for me to feel comfortable being while I'm high, I would just rather not be here at all. Yeah, that's a good take, Hughes. And it's almost as if like if you ask if you continue to ask why there's that pressure, that's what that's the importance of letting it go. That's the importance of kind of, you know, trusting that it will come to you. You ask the question because I do feel there's a balance. I feel it's important to ask the question. You know, it's important to want to find the answers. There's, and it's important to show genuine interest in what's going on here. But there's a level where you could overdo it. And when you start asking yourself every day, every, you know, four times a day, whenever you get a break from reality, kind of whenever you get a second to think, if you continue to ask yourself, like, why? And then like, oh, why, why did that happen? Why did that happen? That's just going to put pressure. That's going to put anxiety uh, on you. And and I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience because I don't, use drugs. I don't smoke weed as much as I used to, but I could definitely see how for a moment it's, it's that escape. It is that escape almost into the now where you're feeling like you, you feel how you want to feel. For example, on like harder drugs, like Molly or something like that, you get this overwhelming over absolutely overwhelming sense of euphoria of serotonin going through your brain. And you don't, ask those questions because you are where you need to be. But like you mentioned, when the drugs start wearing off, especially the harder ones, which Mac was obviously into the ones that took his life, then it's like, you're not only are you asking these questions, but you're also asking the questions while you're coming down from a serious chemical reaction in your brain, that's already going to put you on this low level. And so that's why, you know, those questions kind of hit harder. 
and get bring more anxiety. And that's where the pressure kind of comes from, I think, because you're like, man, I, I figured it out for a second. Why I need I need to figure it out again. I need to figure it out again. And the the only way you're going to figure it out, as Hughes mentioned earlier, is is by taking change and maybe having a realization that the reality as you're given is is kind of what's meant meant to be to an extent and you know the more you the more you at least this is what the realization that i have the more that i continue trying to reach trying to grasp that ultimate reality the more i lived in this kind of roller coaster i think as i mentioned on this kod on the kod pod which is another kind of great uh you know, parallel to this almost. It's like, that's, I almost feel like that's where J. Cole and Max career kind of split, right? Because they had a really similar career. And that's why, that's why I said on the circles pod, I'm like, man, I want to hear it. I, the things that I do, the things that I do, Hughes, to hear a Mac Miller off season where he's kind of figured it out. And I, I just don't know. And so but back back to the roller coaster thing, what I've learned through experience um, is that, you know, the, the more you go on the roller coaster, the lower the highs get and the lower the lows get as well. And so once you stop fluctuating so much and you just start riding that line, that's all you know. You don't have any low to compare it to. You don't have any high to compare it to. You just have what is you know, and I think that that's that's a big lesson that I think can be taken from Mac. And that's ultimately, I think, what we want to do with this pod, this podcast specifically. But the, the 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 divine rhyme in general is is take some of these lessons, apply it to our own life and see what we could do to to benefit ourselves. Yeah. And bringing up KOD is is good because that is a perfect example of what you can be as a human and specifically for Mac, what you can be as a famous person, mm-hmm. because that album plus the off season, plus all the interviews he's done. If you've watched them, you can see that that dude is not tied to his achievements at all. Yeah. And that is exactly, and that's something, again, the power of now discusses a lot um, and meditations, which is another book that I want you to read. And that yeah. I want everyone to read. Listen, this book, Marcus Aurelius, former Roman emperor, has been around for 2,000 years, okay? Books that are around for 2,000 years typically are pretty uh, impressive. So that, <laughs> that's another one that uh, I think is a good one to read just to kind of understand that, like, what we are on Earth is – it's a part of the Earth, right? And we are a part of the Earth too, but there's a part of us that's not. And that's something, again, that, that J. Cole realized – and I think Mac realized too, but he was just not able to put it in action was that I am not, I am not the music, you know? And I think that was something that Mac maybe tripped up on. Yes. And, and, and the whole idea of meaning was he had success at such a young age that he was, I think he was 26 when he passed away. Like at that point, he had to be wondering if I can do all of this and still not feel good, then what could I possibly do to feel good? I think he tripped so much up on 
specifically putting music out and seeing what it would do for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly, you know, what it would have taken for him to kind of get past that. And I'm not sure exactly what Jay Cole did to get past that point, but he clearly needed to see that putting the music out was all he had to do. Like it didn't matter what people thought of it. It didn't matter. Really nothing else mattered. He wanted, he needed to feel okay with it and he could have moved on. And and maybe he did feel that way, but I still wonder if he was just, again, looking towards the future too much and he's like, what could I possibly do better than this that would make me feel like I belong here? I think that was kind of the constant battle that he was going through where he had done everything. Like you look back to kids best day ever, the whole, all he wanted to do was become famous and have fun. And once he actually got that, it's like those expectations he had when he was younger, like he got, he put the check mark next to him and he actually felt worse. Yeah. You know, there was another, I forget what song it was, but there was another song where he said, um, I get lower every time the money gets higher or something like that. Like every time that he made more money, he actually got lower. So again, that that's, that's where you, when you tie yourself to the earthly stuff where you expect the money to solve things, Mm -hmm. it didn't solve things for him. It actually made it worse, you know? And I, I think that that's, you know, the comparison to J Cole is good because what J Cole was ever to figure was able to figure out and what turned him, I don't know if it turned him into a better artist, but it probably turned him into a better person in general of, of just having that relationship with his work and who he is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where Mac fell short and he just wasn't able to quite figure out that what he was doing was what he was supposed to be doing. But I don't think he felt like it was. I, my take on that, Hughes, is that Mac's music defined him. Whereas in comparison to J. Cole, J. Cole was able to develop this emotional separation between him and his music to where he could put stuff out like KOD and like the offseason. Because we want to talk about ego, Hughes. The offseason is I'm that guy. I mean, that that's kind of like ego influenced. Right. But. You know, that's why I think it kind of works with J. Cole, though, because he knows he's he is that guy because he's not he's not trying to prove it. He's just saying, you know, I'm that guy. I know that what I do in my off time is beneficial for society is I'm using what I can to, you know, make this world a better place. And so he doesn't have this emotional attachment to the off season where he's like, oh, these people are going to think I'm a douchebag when I put it out. And I kind of feel like it's a flip side of Mac where since he started at such a young age, he felt he had this such strong emotional attachment to his music. And he felt like his music was him when in reality, and that's why, and you know, that's why his music is so good though. That's why I feel like his music is so good because he literally poured his heart and his soul into the music. Maybe that's the reality that he lived in kind of. And I think, I think that emotional attachment is good to make music, but as you can see, when it's the only thing you could fall back on, you know, you got there, 
reality is real, you know, as well. And if your music flakes, then it, it flakes. But, you know, you get he was just too attached to the, the, the reception of, in my opinion. And that's kind of what caused his downfall. And so uh, I, uh, it kind of compares to what we were talking about earlier, Hughes on how we're able to d- easily deep dive into circles and swimming and divine feminine because of our previous emotional attachment to it. When you're starting off something fresh, like this new stuff, you, you don't have that attachment. You don't have that familiarity and you don't have that motivation. You know, you, you, you're going into a completely blank slate and you're like, okay, what, what is this about? And you kind of fill your head with the questions. Whereas when you have the emotional attachment to the music, you already have that motivation because you're like, man, this album is fucking killer. I know I could pull some out of it. And it's almost as if like, you got to go into every, album in our case or every facet in your life with that motivation only without the downsides of the emotional attachment is my kind of spiel on that yeah you know i think understanding where mac ended up definitely helped us be able to find some of these things in the earlier stuff and i would be interested to ask drew and and nick what they thought um when they were listening to these older things when they were new yeah. Did they see that? Did mm-hmm. they see that he was struggling? The way they talked about it now makes me think they saw it, but I still wonder if swimming in circles impacted that mm-hmm. because us knowing where he ended up and, and having a strong emotional attachment to that music, it's like listening to the old stuff. You hear one line and it just clicks, you know, it's yeah. like, Oh no. And yeah. I, I know the, you know, we started off Best Day Ever Kids, uh, Blue Slide Park, you know, just kind of fun, fun stuff. And Blue Slide Park was, by the way, definitely his worst <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't I didn't really want to say that on the pod because uh, I think we had Drew on that week. I didn't want to like insult him or anything because I didn't know if he liked it. But I personally just did not like it. Got to say objective here, Hughes. I mean, we got to say objective. <laughs> Get rid of that yeah. emotional attachment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, I was able to recognize that he was changing his style and that he was trying to get away from the, the frat rap type mm-hmm. of stuff. So I appreciated that, even though I didn't really like the music uh, or I didn't like the songs or the lyrics, I guess. I, I appreciated where he was going, especially sonically. Mm-hmm. And man, I, listening to watching movies, yeah, I don't I don't know if the full album, I would say this, but there are a few songs, specifically the Star Room and Objects in the Mirror, probably two of his best produced songs ever. Oh, I mean, yeah. really, the Star Room especially is unbelievably well produced, and to kick off an album like that is like it, it may be his best intro. He's had a lot of good intros, but. It is fantastic. And I think, you know, Blue Slide Park, again, that transition kind of helped him. But going back and listening to those early ones, listening to Macadelic. Macadelic, great album, really fun to listen to. But this was my first check mark was the question. Again, we've talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. The question he literally is asking, like, why? What, like, what are we doing here? And, sw- and watching movies, we see that a bunch more. And to me, that was kind of the the pebble starting to roll down the mountain. It's like, 
starting an avalanche, you know, like that was, that was the moment where I could see it because I knew where he came from. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if you had the same experience, but you start to hear some of these lines. It's like, here we go. And you kind of start gearing up for the rest because there were still a few albums to go before we got to swimming at that mm-hmm. point. And it's like, man, where is he, where is he going? If, if he's starting this early with this downfall, where is he going? And, and again, like I said earlier, it was such a long period of him recognizing kind of how he saw the world and how he saw himself in it. It, it still, it took him so long or he talked about it for so long, but again, he still was never able to fully answer those questions he was asking. Uh, in Macadelic, the, the impact of, of acid is obviously there. And in my experience with acid is it is such a, a different drug. Uh, I mean, than, than any other one, uh, like even cocaine kind of be, can be comparable to like Molly where it gets you going. It's like a stimulant. Right. And you're like, okay, you're, you're attached, you're attached to reality. <laughs> acid reality is kind of whatever you fucking make it, man. And that's, that's kind of where I see that starting point because a lot of my anxieties in my life were based off a bad acid trip that I had where I'm like, okay, I just saw something that that's not, there's no way that shit fucking real. And so that makes you sit there and question bringing us back to the question, like what the fuck is going on? In, in a negative way, like you're like, if I just saw that and I experienced that for like a better part, by the way, he is my bad acid trip, believe it or not, was then, God, this is crazy, was the night before we covered the Big Ten fucking tournament. I didn't sleep at all that night. And so I was exhausted. I was still freaking the fuck out a bit because of what I experienced that night before. And so that's where the questions are like, and then COVID hits and I'm like, am I still, and that's where the foundation, a lot of my anxiety, if I'm keeping it, keeping it a stack, my favorite phrase, I've mentioned that keeping it a stack, a lot of my anxiety stem from that acid trip. And like, a lot of my questions are like, is this real? That's, that's the, that's, that's the question is this real? Because like, I didn't know if I was still on that fucking acid trip because COVID. And then you start looking at life in a different way. You know, a lot of different questions start, uh, start piling up. And you mentioned objects in the mirror. That's the answer, man. That's the fucking answer, bro. And you just got to take action on that. And that's, that's the sad part about Mac and, he was given many chances. I mean, he, he was given, like you mentioned, his the rest of his fucking career. And that that is the sad part because he knew the answer. Leave it all in the fucking rear view. Leave it all in the rear view, man. And that's that's what I've done to help help me personally with 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 the drugs. And it's such an interesting I mean, this pod is so interesting because we've talked about it. I, I think it has an essence to it. But KOD was perfectly placed as well because I I had that I had that drive to want to get rid of the drugs and like obviously I hadn't done I haven't done acid since that day right but 
but I still was smoking weed. I was still drinking way too much alcohol, which I mean, that has multiple issues. I, I wasn't sleeping enough, you know? And so that's how I got into this kind of crazy reality. And that's what the drugs did to me. And now it's kind of like full circle to where I've been working on myself and I've been, you know, trying to find healthier habits, like going to the gym, you know, meditating, uh, doing this podcast fully, you know, putting my attention into this podcast. I've left all the other shit in the rear view, man. And and the difference is I don't have, I, I wasn't just saying that for an album. And I know that's genuinely how Mac feels. So I don't want to make it sound like Mac was just saying that. But that's where the emotional attachment to his music comes in for me, where it's like, okay, he feels like if he says, put it all in the rear view, it's going to happen, you know, that because that because all he's known is his music and all, all all the feedback he's ever gotten was from his music. But, man, you know, it's 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 one thing to recognize that, but it's one thing to actually change that and you know that's 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 the tragedy i think that's that's the tragedy right there you know one question i have for you as someone with experience with drugs because i've smoked weed once you know so (laughs) i don't really uh and obviously i drink a little bit but nothing too much i've never delved into that kind of reality the Mm -hmm. whatever the alternate reality whatever you want to call it I'm interested as someone that has seen both sides of it now where you have, you've been in oblivion mm-hmm. and you've also kind of right now, especially you're fully rooting yourself in reality. I'm curious because my experience is more of, of the, the overthinking, right? Mm-hmm. The overthinking is the false reality that I created. And I, I have been able to flip that to now, you know, not doing as much, but as someone that has, you know, been experiments with drugs and kind of lived in that alternate reality almost. I'm interested to hear what you think is kind of the difference between the high on drugs and the high on life, because we talk about working out a lot. We talk about reading, we talk about meditating. And I think those three things, especially those, all of this stuff is kind of, I don't know if you want to say it's, it's all material. It's, it's a change of state. You're changing your state, but in a different way. And they have completely different reactions. I think where like, again, from my experience to me, reading is discovery of truth. Right. And that's another thing Mac talks a lot about discovery of truth. And I think he was looking in the wrong places for it. Um, But you know, running, we, we talk about working out the, the, the way it makes you feel, you know, like to me, that's, that's being high on life, reading, discovering something new is being high on life, meditating, where you kind of connect with something you've never connected with before. To me, that like, that's what, that's the path that we're supposed to take, right? That's Mm -hmm. how we're supposed to actually find these answers. And I'm curious to hear your perspective as someone that has kind of tried both some of the, some of the differences in, maybe the good and bad to both if there's any i'm gonna i'm gonna relate it to mac on this uh swimming you know swimming is not easy swimming is something that's tough to fucking do uh you know and that's it's kind of relate relates to running reading and meditating meditating is fucking tough to do 
but it's it's that feeling that you get after it's a feeling that you know you pushed yourself it's the feeling that you are better because of it and the whole time you do it you whether you're you're swimming you're you're reading you're running or you're uh, meditating you're battling those thoughts that is what that's what you're doing if you're running the whole time i'm running i say enjoy running i run five times or i mean 10 times a week because i run before and after my workout i enjoy running not because i enjoy fucking running like i don't enjoy fucking running i could tell you that right now what i enjoy is pushing myself what I enjoy is hearing that fucking voice in my fucking head that I've always heard and telling him to shut the fuck up. We're going to fucking grind. You know, we're going to, we're out here and we're trying to grind, man. Like I want to get better. My quote, my lock screen is be your only competition is a person you were yesterday. And do you know what makes you think that anything else, but yourself is the competition, your fucking thoughts, your ego, that's that's the only thing. And so here it comes into drugs. Hughes, what was your experience on weed? Just a quick, short answer. Did you have anxiety? Um, I was tired as hell. The only thing I was doing was staring at my feet to make sure I didn't fall. So okay. <laughs> it was it, it wasn't a great takeaway. That that was the experience for me. <laughs> so with weed. Weed and drugs just in general, I think enhance, I mean, it's obviously psychedelic, right? It's psychedelic and then it enhances the thinking weed, depending on how, you know, if it's that good kush, you know, (laughs) if it's that good kush, it could like multiply your thinking by like 20 or 25 to the point where you just can't stop thinking. And if it's, if it's if you're in a good thinking mindset, if you're in a good mindset, that's why you hear bad trips and good trips. That's why you hear people who smoke weed could smoke weed all the time because they're just in, in a mindset that they can. But if you're if you go into it with like any negative thought, it's going to enhance that. And, you know, if you know anything about thoughts and anxiety, it compounds and compounds and compounds and just keeps going into a spiral, into a downward spiral. But that's just weed acid. I mean, acid is your thoughts to the point it multiplies your thoughts to where it creates your reality. Your thoughts are so powerful on acid that you can think, oh, is that door fucking smiling at me? And the fucking door will grow a fucking mouth and start smiling at you. And that's a good thing. Uh, and so imagine starting an acid trip for 12 hours, which this is this is me in my background, already nervous because I had done acid a couple times before, but I wasn't the, the, the three or four times I'd done it before I was drunk. And so that, you know, relaxed my anxiety, relaxed my inhibitions. And I had a fucking blast, dude. I was at 16 bit with a couple of my boys hammered. And I remember like crying, laughing, like literally crying, laughing at 16 bit for like 15, 25 minutes straight. We went home, had a great, had a blast. It's all because I, that initial thought compounded and just kept going. But the, but the, the last time I did it, I did it sober. I did it on, I, I took it on a 45 minute drive home before I'm like, okay, is this going to hit before? And dude, it, when it hit, man, I was already thinking, I was always like, Oh, this is shit. And so the, the first thing that bad happened to me was I, uh, 
I saw my hand thought, oh my God, is my hand okay? And I saw it like move and like function. And my friend, Michael, he was staring at me. I'm like, dude, my hands fucked up. My hands fucked up. And dude, he said my hands, I was putting so much pressure on my hand that it turned white. Like that's how much anxiety, that's how much pressure, pressure was going through me. I'm like, oh my God, I got to attach. And so that's the importance of, you know, that's drowning. That's drowning in your thoughts, drowning in your thoughts. The difference is drowning in your thoughts versus swimming in reality. The more you swim, the more grounded you are, you know, the more real it is. Uh, Another, another thing that I could kind of take from that is a quote that I heard one time. Um, It's you either things that are good for you, make you feel good after things that are bad for you make you feel good before you do it. And so with weed, for example, like, oh, I'm feeling bad right now. I need to smoke weed and I'll feel better. On the flip side of the coin, uh, with running, meditating, reading, I don't want to read. I mean, I, I could be, you know, watching YouTube or doing some other shit, you know, but the feeling that you get after, the knowledge that you gained, the the idea that you push yourself, you defeated the ego for such a, for a short time, that that that's it. That's that's the benefit of that's what swimming is, man. And at some point, if you swim long enough, you'll find sure. Yeah, I I think that that is the takeaway. Is that. Man, like it's so easy to understand why people are successful and why people aren't. And I get, man, I really struggle when I see people that just complain all the time about, you know, the system's rigged against me and all that. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, life is unfair. Like there are people that absolutely have it worse than others. And as, as humanity as a whole, you know, we should strive to help those people as much as we can. But the difference between people that are successful and people that aren't are the people that try hard things. Mm-hmm. I really think that it's the people that first of all, believe they can actually accomplish something that has a huge impact on it is the positive thinking and then actually doing stuff and continuing to do stuff, uh, whether you want to or not. And I mean, what that, what you said was, I think exactly the difference between the false reality of drugs and all that. Um, and or I don't even know if I want to call it the false reality, because as you said, you kind of make your own reality when you're on them uh, versus, and you know, can reality. You see, can you see how that would separate someone from, you know, can you see now how Mac would feel alone, you know, because, because of his, and I, my, my experience was only like three or four trips. Mac did it all the time. And so the damage that that could do, I mean, that one fucking trip, the bad trip I had put me down for a year and a half at least. And now I'm finally climbing up. I got a breath of air. Finally, after four months, three months of, of genuinely trying to swim out of it, trying to climb out of it. And the thing is, you know, when, when you start climbing, you, you don't, you don't feel it. And that's just like, it's like, a, it's like a microcosm of running you know, running sucks in the beginning, but then I, at least in my experience, I have this realization, like, uh, about, you know, halfway through, I'm like, what was I even fucking complaining about, dude? This shit's not that bad at all. 
you know, and that's, that's, that's how it could separate you. That's how it could acid specifically in my experience, but drugs just in general can isolate you from the world. Yeah. And again, that, that's why I think the perspectives are so important to hear because as much, you know, as much empathy as I want to have for other people, I, I can't relate to the, to the being high and like, I'm definitely not as bad as I used to. Um, but I know a lot of people, they see someone on drugs addicted and they're just like, stop, like just stop. And yeah. you know, it's not something that you can just do. Like your brain is literally changed mm-hmm. from where it was before. And to go back or to try to get back to what your brain should be is not something that's just easy to do. Mm-hmm. And Cause you're so, you're, you know, you're so used to, uh, instant, instant results with drugs. You're so, you're so used to instant feedback. And if you want to climb back, man, it's going to take a minute. And I, I'm at a point in my life where I'm finally fucking content, but I know, I know because of my experience, I, I can't, you can't live in that. You could, you could accept it. You could, you could see, and you could appreciate it, but you can't live in it. You know, there your only competition is the person you were yesterday. That's why that's my thing. Because like I was feeling good yesterday, but I could be better. And it's gotten to the point where it's not this, I have to be better. It's I can be better. And I want to be better because I've seen the results at least up until this point. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of a line I actually wrote down. Um, I think it's objects in the mirror after everything I did, I think I'm still myself. Every, every time I hear that, it's like, see, he, he knew it. Yeah. He knew that he wasn't his mistake. So he, you want to think that he's not tied up in the past, but he still wasn't able to move on past the kind of the future expectations thing. But I mean, I, I think to me, that's one of the biggest lessons on life I learned is that the easy stuff is not rewarding. Mm-hmm. And this world we live in now with what's the technology and social media, man, it's fucking easy to dive into the easy stuff. I mean, we just talked when we were golfing the other day about I, I've, I've been cleaning up. I have barely used social media anymore. My last frontier was TikTok, And that night I'm like, I'm going to watch a little TikTok and then I'm going to read before I go to bed. I fucking watched TikTok for two hours. I never read. <laughs> I woke up yesterday. I'm like, it's gone. Like this, yeah. this is the problem right here. It's yeah. so easy to sit on my phone for two hours and, and basically waste two hours of my life on just entertainment. That's, that's dumb and doesn't really help me. It's so much easier than opening that book and oh, take a take a note here or there that I can use later on and learn something. It's so much easier to do that because reading is work. Mm-hmm. You know, writing is work. There's any time that you have to really put in work and you're not going to get that instant gratification. It's so easy to not want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, why go on a run right now when I could watch Netflix for, for an hour? You know, yeah, it's so easy to fall into that. And and I guess I can kind of say what I was talking about earlier with the devil is. I really think the devil is just free will. I really believe that now where like we are, our ability to choose can be our downfall Yeah, and choosing the easy stuff. And, you know, that could be social media. It could be drugs. 
it could be anything that gives you that instant gratification that, as you mentioned, the next day, you can be like, shit, why did I do that? I could have done something productive. Mm-hmm. I really think that is the downfall. And and I think when, you know, Mac talks about that the devil kept popping up on his doorstep all the time, I really think that was just his ability to choose. Can I, should I take drugs right now? Or should I do something that is actually going to help me? I think that was ultimately his downfall was that he was, I guess, not strong enough to overcome those demons and overcome his ability to choose the right thing. Yeah, but man, man doesn't make good music. (laughs) Then that's the saddest part. But I mean, he's, I think, I think we fucking killed it. If I'm keeping it a stack, like, honestly, do you have anything else that you want to mention before we get into shameless plugs? No, man. Um, Just another pod where I come in thinking it's going to be just, you know, whatever. And we get into a deep ass conversation. So one of the deepest. This this is what we do here. This is what we do here. This is what divine rhyme is is supposed to be. It really is. And I love that. We kind of got a flavor of it with KOD. Uh, but like that, the only thing is like, that's, that's where my experience comes from. Like that's, that's one of big, been my biggest teachers in life is, is drugs, you know? And that's why in, 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 with the flip of a coin, Hughes hasn't used them. And so he has, he has like almost, it's like a yin and yang perspective to an extent. It's not exactly opposite, but you know, there's part, there's, there's the black and the white and the bat and the white and the black, the good and the bad and the bad and the good, you know? And so, fuck. Yeah. He is. I mean, I think this is, if there's any way to, to seal Mac, like honestly, one of the one out of nowhere, one of the greatest artists easily of our generation, easily of our generation. And I, I think we did it. I think we knew. I even knew after circles, I'm like, we can't leave our boy hanging like this. You know what I mean? But I think, I mean, I think we've really, we pulled out a lot and you know what? The thing about life, man, about three or four months, going to probably listen to watching movies again. And we're going to be like, damn, we still miss it. Yeah. And you know, this is something I want, I was thinking for the end of the year, which is still kind of far away that we need to do like a big recap of everything we've talked about. And I have a feeling when that time comes that Mac is, is going to come back and there's going to be some new experience we have that's, that's we're going to pull another line out that we just mm-hmm. skipped over before that all of a sudden is going to hit different. Uh, I feel like our, I feel like our intro song, we need to buy the rights to uh, return of the Mac. Cause that's a banger anyway. <laughs> have you heard that song? Yeah. <laughs> Turn up Mac. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy with, I guess, how we kind of closed up uh, Mac Miller. I mean, obviously, if there's anyone that we've done it, done a, a pod over so far that deserves kind of a wrap up, it's it's him. And we thought about this before having like a genuine wrap up pod uh, for every artist. But, you know, I think I, I think, it, you know, it is what it is. And it, it's kind of worked out perfectly. Um, but that's that's going to take us into the shameless plugs time. Lynn Sanity. Speaking of Caleb Lynn, the guy literally during this whole podcast has blown me up about Scorpion. I, 
<laughs> I don't I don't know why Scorpion's on his mind, but he sent he, he before the pod he said fave songs off Scorpion question mark and I wrote down my favorite songs, uh, and I wrote down bad songs as well. And he's like, you like nonstop? And dude, I'm telling you right now, he sent me so many fucking message messages. He's like, do you like Drake more when it's lyric centered or a banger? I'm like, dude, come on, man. I'm talking about Mac right now, but it's a good, it's a good question. It's a good question. These are the uh, questions we need. Odd, Caleb. Yeah, I know. Got, I don't know if we need him on for Drake whenever that comes or something, but I'll tell you who he does. I mean, he, he asked some good questions. He does ask good questions. He, he he really does ask good questions. He wants uh he wants Kanye and he wants uh Donda and he wants Jesus as Lord because I figured we'd do those two together because they're more sp- spiritually and like oh going on a little Kanye tangent. Um fuck, what was it? What's the orange album? Oh, Life of Pablo. Yeah, Life of Pablo. That one, like, best gospel album, but that's not a fucking gospel album. Like, okay, are you you might be able to, you might be able to convince me that Jesus is Lord is because I mean every song was about kind of spirituality. And Caleb likes Jesus is Lord, uh, which I do too. I think it's received a lot of unnecessary hate. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty good album. It's not Life of Pablo level because that fucking album's insane. Uh, and yeah. I haven't listened to Donda, but he does want on for. Um, he does want on for those two. He's made that uh, certainly clear to me multiple times. But uh, as for Lynn's sanity, him and Chatty getting married. Chatty's getting married in a month. It's going to be a big time. Can't wait to celebrate. I think the <laughs> I think the celebration is going to be non-alcoholic. But you know, your boy is going to sneak in a flask. Come here, talk about talk about battling our demons. It's all right. Let them overcome me every every once in a while. Have some fun. Um, but Lynn Sandy, the boys are doing uh, preseason previews for the divisions. Last week, it was AFC and NFC West. Uh, he, earlier this week, I think it might have been yesterday, he did AFC and NFC North talking about my pack. Haven't listened yet. Uh, I'm going to listen today. Hope he's uh, hope he's talking good about the pack. We got one more year left. Uh, hopefully can make it a good one, get Rodgers out of the NFC championship. Who knows? Uh, Circle City Cinema, Zach Griffiths just did a review of Mouse at the Palace. T.O.P.'s doing some, uh, was doing some preseason college football. Uh, Starts tonight. (laughs) It starts tonight, so I don't know. I don't know what's coming up for T.O.P., but uh, they they did the Midwest and the Pac-12 about a week ago. Um. As always, when's when's uh a Alex and Dylan basketball power hour? It should be soon. We're gonna do top one hundred players. Um, I think within the next two or three weeks, I forget the date. Um, I still have to figure my players out. I have like thirty players down, so I've got a long way to go. But we're gonna do that, and then you know, just uh, season preview. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of a short kind of a short off season because they ended like a month later than usual. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll be back uh, by the end of this month. I'll tell you what, what for the viewers uh, and listeners, I, I started a job at target like a month ago, walk into work probably about three weeks ago, Alex Burr 
the godfather of the running hook is fucking standing there in a target uni I'm like what the fuck are you doing bud like are you, you working here now he's like yeah and so i was talking to him the other day uh and he's like he's like guess what <laughs> this is what he says to me it's so funny he's like hey will he's like guess where i got lebron in my top five <laughs> i'm like i don't know man like three he's like five I'm like, shit, dude, that's, I mean, I know he's washed up, but, and then I ask him, this is a, my favorite part about Alex Burt. I asked him, where's Russell Westbrook? He gets, he looks up with me, no hesitation, says like 37. Like, like I feel like he's memorized his top 50 players. And I, that's what I love about Alex Burt. Um, but looking forward to uh, Alex and Dylan coming back with the power hour. As always, facts and stacks, J.D. Hall. Uh, and then Den of Dorks uh, with Deke. I don't know if he's put any of those out there, but go give it a listen. I know he's got one or two out there. Uh, friend friend of the network, friend of uh, the group chat. We got a fantasy football league. We're about to draft next this Monday or something like some sometime soon within a week. Uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to talking smack, kicking some ass. I'm the commissioner of the league. The self-titled commissioner Caleb does all the running, but I, I I've I've demoted him to uh, vice commissioner, <laughs> and I just I'm like the face of the league. That, that that's that's what it is, and Caleb does all the dirty work. So, <laughs> but I mean I think I think that's gonna be it for this pod. Uh, fucking killer, like usual. Uh, I'd like to give a, a shout out to Alex Burr. Um, always putting in the work. Uh, I. I actually do have some more promos. Me and Hughes, as you mentioned, went golfing uh, the other day. I finally figured out today how to get those videos on my fucking laptop because I tried to plug in my, my phone and it like wasn't working. So uh, I didn't know what the issue was there, but I made a shared album, got all the videos. going to be putting that out probably here at some point soon. Just, you know, shoving some golf content in your face. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not really though. So <laughs> that's going to be it. Thank you to everyone at the running hook. Thank you to all the listeners for listening. And we will see you next week, probably with Sturgill, uh, unless we want to do another Mac, but who knows? see you later. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>